This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you're snacking on anything but tasty cake, you're making a huge Miss Cake. A fistful of chocolate-covered raisins? Miss Cake. A spoonful of peanut butter? Bigger Miss Cake. Or the worst Miss Cake of all, your kid's Halloween candy, and it's April. If it's not tasty cake, it's a Miss Cake. Because nothing satisfies like a perfectly sweet butterscotch crimpet. Or rich and creamy chocolate peanut butter candy cake. Tasty cake. Except no substitute. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital. Hello, Katie from London. How are you? Oh, it's a bi-coastal pop shop. Hello from Los Angeles, Keith. How, how are you doing? Some might say it's even bi-continental. I am Ooh, fine. True. That's true. Coasts and continents. Um, uh, everything is just spiffy here in London, uh, because as always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop and sometimes... Britpop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, there's big news to discuss about the Tours, Lil Nas X, Shawn Mendes and Camila Cabello, plus Taylor Swift and her very candid statement regarding the sale of Big Machine Records, along with her catalog of older work. It's a doozy. Uh, but mm-hmm. before we get into that, uh, we also have an interview with Georgia Koo. Uh, the singer and songwriter is percolating on radio airwaves right now. As the featured vocalist, uh, you hear on Noted and Felix Jean's So Close, which also features uh, Captain Cuts. She's also helped a lot of pop tunes for such acts as Fifth Harmony, Rita Ora, said helped write a lot of pop tunes for such <laughs> acts as Fifth Harmony, Rita Ora, and Dua Lipa, uh, specifically her hit collaboration, Scared to be Lonely, uh, with Martin Garrix. Now, Georgia is striking out on her own with her official debut solo single, What Do I Do? So stick around for our chat a little bit later. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. So shall we just dive right into this uh, massive Taylor Swift news? Uh, Yes, take it away. (laughs) Good Lord. News broke on Sunday that Scooter Braun's Ithaca Holdings acquired Big Machine Records along with Taylor Swift's six-album catalog. Swift was apparently shocked and shared her thoughts through a Tumblr post soon after, claiming that she learned the news along with the rest of the world and that Scooter had participated in bullying her on behalf of his clients, and that her former label boss, Scott Borchetta, knew all about that. 
So since the story hit, there's been a lot of he said, she said on both sides with Big Machine founder slash CEO Scott Borchetta responding to Swift's post with his own letter claiming there were multiple ways she was informed of the deal before the news was released and that she was given a chance to earn her master's back over time. A lot of artists have chimed in as well, including Halsey and Todrick Hall making very public tweets on behalf of uh, Taylor's side of the argument. And then, uh, of course, noted Scooter Braun uh, original client Justin Bieber jumping to the defense of Scooter, as well as brand new Scooter signee Demi Lovato also defending him. There is a whole lot to break down here. Um, Anyone who's just mildly interested in these artists, these names, the music industry, it was a lot to dig through. Um, And it's just been a day. We were recording on Monday. It's only been a day since this news has been out. Um, I figured maybe a good thing for us to focus on here for the pop shop is what this means for Taylor's music. So a lot of fans, um, I'm not sure, Keith, if you've read about this, but a lot of fans are suggesting that she should record her, re-record her catalog since she owns publishing as a writer and that fans can then listen to those new recordings of the albums as opposed to giving money to Scooter and Scott by listening to her old recordings. I like that people just think that you can just re like, I mean, it's a pretty massive undertaking to try to recreate what Taylor has done over these past, you know, decade plus. Um, but it's interesting that they think that she can do that. And there's actually a petition that has been signed by some very notable celebrities, including Katy Perry and Troy Sivan. I saw both signed it, wanting Taylor to just make the catalog all over again. So, Keith, do you have any thoughts on that? Sure, because that's totally easy to do. I'm sure <laughs> right. Max Max Martin and all of her dozens and dozens of collaborators from her previous six albums have nothing else to do, and they have all those original tracks somewhere. And no, that's just that's just not <laughs> something that's easy to do. Def Leppard did it with two songs. Um, yeah. Recently, JoJo did it with I think what like two two or three albums. That oh, she I didn't did. see that JoJo has done it, but yeah, I saw that Def Leppard had. Yeah, I mean, this is not a simple undertaking. And also keep in mind that, frankly, her voice is not going to sound the same. It's not going to be the same exact song that you remember. Um, That's an extreme case, you know, and lots of artists, you know, don't get their masters. Um, They they just don't. Uh, They don't own them. So this is a unique situation. And uh, Lord have mercy. I don't know how this is going to turn out. Yeah, I also think that to your point, you know, people don't understand that this this happens to a lot of artists who sign deals as, you know, nobodies at the time, and then become massive stars, the deal they signed says, like, you can you can own my work. Um, And it's it seems you know, crazy to a Taylor Swift fan who knows how personal her catalog is. The idea that she does not own these personal works like really disturbs them, but it's also like kind of how things are. So if this disturbs you, it's probably like the music industry disturbs you, which disturbs a lot of people. So, you know, maybe it will lead to some sort of change on that front. Um, The other thing that I think people are just thinking about is like what Scooter will do with the music. Um, You know, will it be in commercials or movies or TV shows now like that he can make those choices? Um, I don't I, I, I can't think of an example of Taylor's music being in an ad. The only thing I could think of is that ESPN teamed up with her last year for like, and ready for it was like the college football song and they played it during their coverage, you know, but it's, it's weird to think of, you know, maybe her music just popping up in ads now that somebody else owns it and just wants to make money off of it. There, there are many examples of artists who do not own their catalog of work. 
you know, Madonna doesn't own, as, as, as I randomly reference Madonna, go, go figure. <laughs> Madonna doesn't own her old Warner Brothers catalog. Um, the Rolling Stones famously don't own any of their catalog earlier than like 1971 or something. And, and um, you know, it's just, it's, that's just the, I mean, it's, it's the, the deals were especially worse, you know, obviously in the early days of the, of the industry. And now a lot of artists have a lot more say and control over their work. But if you're just a brand new artist, you probably don't have an incredibly great contract. And so this is kind of par for the course. Does it make it totally right? Well, no, but this is, you know, much how a lot of people are unhappy with like whatever contract they sign in any other situation or, boy, that percentage rate that you had on your house was pretty crappy or Well, whatever. I guess artists should be allowed to refinance their deals. True. Well, and, and <laughs> Once I'm sure, their stock goes up. And, 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 you know, Taylor, you know, you know, and, and this, that's, just, this is the argument. And this is also developing and we can sort of cut this short, but, you know, uh, the argument will be, oh, well, she had, she could have re-signed with Big Machine and maybe had control of her masters at some point in the future, but who knows what that deal would have been like and maybe Well it and wasn't. her argument for that one was that um she then wouldn't know like who Scott might have sold the um you know it all to and then she would have been beholden to some other person or label and not really known. So like in her I know in her UMG deal she made it very clear like, you know, that she was gonna be in, in control of her masters going forward. So anyway, it's all very interesting. Um, and we could talk about this forever. Uh, I feel like there will be even more developments in this um, situation next week. So we'll we'll keep you posted. All right, then. So let's do some chart chat now. Um, on the Billboard 200 albums chart, a pair of new entries charge in at numbers one and two as rock band The Rock on Tours open at number one with Help Us Stranger. And Little Nas X bows at number two with his seven album. The former begins with 88,000 equivalent album units earned in the week ending June 27th, while the latter launches with 77,000 units. Help Us Stranger is the first number one for the Rock on Tours and third top 10 overall. Further, as the band is led by Jack White, he can now also claim number ones as both a soloist and as part of a group. Hey, fun fact, it's a bonus chart stat of the week. <laughs> Speaking of Little Nas X, his single Old Town Road featuring Billy Ray Cyrus, which is found on the Seven album, continues to rule the Billboard Hot 100 for a 13th week. Lucky number 13. Uh, it, In doing so, it breaks the record for the hip-hop song with the most weeks at number one. It beats out uh, the following tracks, which all had 12 weeks at number one. See You Again by Wiz Khalifa featuring Charlie Puth in 2015, Boom Boom Pow by the Black Eyed Peas in 2009, and Lose Yourself by Eminem, uh, which was number one uh, over 2002 and 2003 over the Christmas season. It had 12 weeks at number one. Um, Lastly, staying in the top 10 on the Hot 100, Sean Mendez and Camila Cabello's, uh, Cabello's, I'm so sorry, Camila, uh, Senorita debuts at number two, marking the fifth top 10 for Mendez and the fourth for Cabello. Uh, the last time the pair connected on a song was in 2015 for I Know What You Did Last Summer, which entered at number 97 and later peaked at number 20. And of course, with the number two debut of Sean and Camila, 
and assuming that Senorita goes no higher than number two, it will mark the seventh song to halt at number two, stuck behind Little Nas X's Old Town Road. And that and two of those seven were by Sean Mendez. <laughs> That's crazy. And I mean for uh um uh if I can't have you, that one was we were like Whoa, number two, way to go, Sean. And now it's like, damn it, why can't he get his number one? <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, and now, I mean, should we take a guess as how long we think Lil Nas X will be number one now? Now that we're up to 13, I mean, yeah, we is, need revised. I mean, is it going to get to the 16 week mark, which is the current record, is the question? I'm, I'm going to say, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say yes. That'll be so wild if it, if it beats. Uh, my, uh, what am I trying to say? Mariah Carey and, and Despacito, if it beats them, whoa yeah whoa whoa but i okay so i'm gonna just to be contrarian i'll say it's gonna get to 15 weeks <laughs> all right we shall see <laughs> tune back in in a few weeks and you'll find out <sighs> and now it's time for our interview with georgia Koo. the singer and songwriter recently stopped by the office to chat about her breakthrough success with so close which uh, was a big dance hit for her uh, earlier this year and then crossed over to pop radio and it hit our pop songs airplay chart. Before she hit it big with So Close, Georgia wrote songs for acts like Rita Ora, Fifth Harmony, Zed, and what is probably her biggest hit yet as a writer, Scared to Be Lonely by Martin Garrix and Dua Lipa. In our interview with Georgia, uh, we also dive into a discussion about her brand new single and video, for What Do I Do?, which is her first official single as a solo artist. So, take a listen to our chat with Georgia Koo. Welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast, Georgia Koo. What's up? How are you? Good. How are you? Oh, uh, we are great. Uh, we just started recording this, but we spent the past five minutes talking about breakfast cereal. <laughs> yes. So Sorry you missed that. We'll, Very important. We'll save that for a bonus track at some point <laughs> yeah, yeah, later yeah. on in the future. Um, right now, uh, it's a really great time for you because So Close, your collaboration with Noted Felix Jean Jin. <laughs> Felix, tell us how to Choose your adventure. Name. Choose your adventure and Captain Cuts. It's so great, so Thank huge, um, and it and the song. Before I get into all the charting and how successful it is, I just want to say the track is just great, and it has like such an incredible like whoosh feeling mm-hmm. to it, <laughs> where you just feel like the first like the first time you hear it, you're like, oh, this is a hit. Like I this love is that. so great. Thank um, you. So the super simple question, even though the song has been out for a long time. Mm-hmm. How did the track come together? How did it get to you? Or did it start with you? And I'm just an idiot for not knowing that. No. Um, well, you wouldn't be an idiot because it happens all different ways. Okay. So um, this was, well, firstly, I wrote it in L.A. with Felix and Captain Cuts. And then Felix was super excited about these guys noted. And then he had approached us and was like, how about we send it to noted? I, re- I really love them. Like the production is great. And they were doing so well at that time. 
And um, so Felix actually sent it over and it was kind of in a bare form. It wasn't really produced up. So then no, it just took it to the next level, put their production on it, added all of their things, made it what it is. And then they we just released it as and then it was all very remotely. So remotely done. So just very sent back and forth and we'd have to approve it. We never even met before we put it out, which was pretty crazy. This, I mean, technology these days I know. Where things are just made all virtually like, <laughs> I know. from across oceans when you said that it reminded me of like how like the middle was done where it was just like intercontinental and then like like Marin Morris and Zed didn't even meet until like right, like, right. and, and yet they later. share this massive hit yes. together yeah, yeah. yeah. funny it's how crazy. things work out yeah um and you actually made your name for yourself as a songwriter first um before we even got to know you as an artist mm-hmm. and you've written tracks for and with everyone from Zed and Dylan Francis to Fifth Harmony and Rita Ora um so was there like there was there one song when you were just writing for other artists where you're like oh, this, this song, like, could change my life. Like, this is one that is going to, like, put me on the map. Or this is the song where I got to buy my condo from it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm, uh, I mean, it's weird because some songs you write and they could take years to get placed. Sure. You'll write them and you'll love them and be so excited and then no one will really catch on until however long later and then it's like, bam. But I guess... Um, Scared to be Lonely, the one I did for Martin Garrix and Dua Lipa, that one I feel like was the fastest song that I've ever got placed. Like mm. we wrote it and I think within like two or three weeks it got placed. Wow. And um, that honestly has been the biggest like blessing for me, that song. I just And I mean, just how excited Martin was and then just, it was just so fast paced. Once he got it, it was like bam, bam, bam. Um, and just to see how many streams that did and how, how well it did on radio as well, in the UK especially. Um, and just, like, the love. Like, it's not... It, what's so special about that is that it's, I always... When people would come to me and talk about it and say, oh, I love this song, they would always mention how much they love the lyrics and, mm-hmm. and just the song itself. It's not just, like... What a great a regu- Yeah, it's a yeah, great dance song. Like, it's a yeah. banger. It's, like, we took a lot of time and effort in to write in those lyrics and I love that it translated that way and, and it came across that way and people loved it too That's so awesome. yeah can I ask a follow up on <laughs> which is not on our list of questions um, did, was it was that a situation where you had kind of set out to work with Martin or did you kind of was it like you and a team of writers had like written something and then pitched it to Martin and he was like I love this let me mm-hmm. call up Dua it should be great to, and like you like maybe did the demo vocal or like uh-huh. Was that kind of how it That's worked? normally how it works okay. in general. Um, so I wrote it with um, Kyle Shearer and Nate Campany. It was just us three, and uh, Kyle just did the chords, and then me and Nate uh, wrote the lyrics and the, me- and the melody. And, yeah, we just did it, and then they sent it out to their management and their publishers, and then um, they pitched it to Martin's team. And Martin, I think Martin was actually working on his next single at that time, and he scrapped his next oh, single wow. just to focus on that one, and that was the single, and wow. he went ahead with it. So that's, that's normally how it works, and I'll demo it. And he, he, well, uh, he originally wanted me to stay on it. He just wanted to lower the, the vocal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, he got the opportunity. I think his team said, "Oh, what about Dua?" Because she was she was starting yeah. to climb. Yeah. yeah, and and I was, when we heard, we were like, "Yeah, we're super down with it." Because I honestly, I I didn't know if I wanted to be on it. Mm. Um, just because I think, I mean, I'd been signed for a little while, but I didn't know if I was ready yet for that. Because I knew if if it was a Martin song, I knew it would 
probably blow up or I hoped it would and I, I didn't know if I was ready to take on all of that because I knew it would be like a lot like a music video and maybe like coming out he had to come out at Coachella and I was mm-hmm. like oh, I don't know about that <laughs> no now it's totally different I feel like I've, I'm, I'm ready for that now but mm-hmm. um no I mean I'm I'm really happy with how it turned out and I think she killed it so yeah that's wow. how it normally works well so now that we have established that you are a hit songwriter with a condo that has been built from Martin Garrix. Just not kidding. yet, I'm wishing. <laughs> We're working on keep, that. Keep, keep putting it out there, you know? And, and you have a hit uh, with So Close, but now you have your kind of first proper, like, debut single that is just you. Yay! Yay, that's so exciting. When, when, when we're recording this just on the eve of it coming out, but when people hear this, it will already be out. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it is called What Do I Do? Yes. Um, how do you feel at this moment, you know, as as you kind of go into this sort of new stage? Release your, your baby into yeah. the world. Yeah. Um, well, firstly, I'm so excited. I feel like it's like one of those things you've just been waiting for. And, it, and it's crazy because when you, there's been so many times where it's like, okay, it's going to come out here and then it'll be pushed back and then it's going to come out here and just it'll be pushed kidding. back. And it's, yeah, literally. And But it, it's so funny. Just, I feel like timing is everything and the way that it's worked out, like even just waiting for this to come out. I feel like I've been so busy with everything else that it's just come like that. It's just so fast. Um, so it's just crept up on us and <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's here. So I'm just... I'm really, really excited. I feel like it's long awaited. Um, and I'm just, I'm excited for people to like get to know me. I feel like they will, they will get to know me and who I am and my personality and what I stand for like through my music. And I feel like that's all I've ever wanted to do, you know? Um, and I just hope that, that people get it and the authenticity just like shines through so people can relate. That's really important to me. And um, speaking of that, well, yeah, as like, how did the songwriting process for this one work? Did you do this on your own or were you with a group of people? Um, I, I feel like I have a really c- close group of collaborators. Mm-hmm. So most of the people who I write with are people who I've like mentioned. So I wrote it with Captain Cuts, mm-hmm. um, which is three guys. Um, and we just I think I had I really had um, I was going through a hard time and I, I feel like I had a specific thing what I wanted to talk about. And I was like, went into the studio and I. And I was saying, I just want to, I wanted to be vulnerable with it. Because I I say all the time, you know, I'm all for women empowerment songs and like screw you you suck like blah blah, blah. I'm a strong woman I'm gonna get on and, and I'm, I'm I feel like I'm like that like I could be like that but there's all there was also a side of me at that time where I was like I actually don't know what to do I don't know how to get through this I don't know how to be strong in these moments and I was like I feel like the best way to actually release all that is to put it into a song mm. and I feel so grateful that I have the opportunity to do that um and just to go into the studio and and have the resources to do that so um yeah that's I just I said what I wanted what I wanted to say and it just kind of like rolled out we ended up writing the verses and the pre-chorus first and it kind of the lyrics just kind of rolled off my tongue and then we we really sat down and wrote wrote like thought about the chorus and it's just funny because it's literally what I was thinking what I was feeling and that's how it came like you were telling a best friend yeah. how you were feeling at that yeah. time yeah. yeah and it's also um, you know like you said the lyrics are super vulnerable and emotional but then it also has this up-tempo beat mm-hmm. and you can kind of like vibe to it it's interesting that kind that dichotomy of, of 
the two different directions of the lyrics and the and the song was that intentional did you want it to have kind of an upbeat sound even though it's a downbeat lyric basically yeah well I think I struggled for a while when I first signed my record deal with like who I was I was so used to writing so many different genres for other people Mm. that I was like oh my gosh like who am I Mm. like what what is my sound and I almost went in a completely different direction at the start and when I just let go of all of the overthinking I think I just was like just like be you like don't overthink like okay what's a georgia q melody what's like a georgia q lyric it was just like just sing just Mm. open your mouth and sing just like write as if you were normally writing and i think that's just where it all just came together um so yeah and your voice is really distinctive too we were saying so like i feel like your voice is what's going to be the georgia coup of it all you know what i mean like whatever you sing yeah that your voice really like you know cuts through yeah and i love like i love having that I, th- I think sometimes when you have a sad lyric, it's just kind of like, oh, it's like sad and you could be like ballady. But when you put that production behind mm-hmm. it, it just gives like a two-sided thing and, and you can almost just like cry in the club. You <laughs> like, can dance it out. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it gives it that energy. And I feel like that, it's, it's crazy because people would say to me all the time, oh, Georgia, your songs are so sad, like, but you're so bubbly. <laughs> and I feel like it's great because it shows both sides of me. Like, I want to show the integrity and, like, the the depth of my lyrics and, and, and my feelings. But, like, I think the production speaks for the energy that I have as a person. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask about the video. Mm-hmm. Um, you shot it in Puerto Rico. Yeah. Um, now, was that just, like hey, let's fly to Puerto Rico? <laughs> or did someone, like, did you just happen to be there? And you're like, we should shoot the video here. Because I started watching it before I actually saw in the the press notes that it was mm-hmm. shot in Puerto Rico. I'm like, where is this? No, that's just it's how beautiful. I roll. <laughs> like, no, now kidding. we're just going to No, why was it shot in Puerto Rico? What was the genesis behind that? Um, I think, well, first of all, I have an amazing creative team at Atlantic. Um, and the, the Sade, my creative director, she, she just... I think she just wanted to go somewhere different. I think she loves doing that, just, you know, going on location. Because who wants to just do a video in L.A. like everyone does in L.A.? Or would just be stuck in a studio? I think that it's so beautiful there. And yeah. even the fact we did an amazing scene on the beach. And we were at the beach for, like, nearly the entire day till the sunset. Not one person came on that beach. Whoa. Like, the entire, like, spread of the beach. And That's wild. You can't get that. Like, imagine me going to Santa Monica. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. like yeah, every tourist in the background. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just something. diaper washing up on the beach. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so no, cool. not a vibe. Um, <laughs> but I think there was, yeah, it was just something so beautiful about the scenery there. Um, and I love, like, that film kind of vintage look. And I think um, San Juan had some amazing views like that and just just places um and they they went there and scouted out some places before and i think yeah i think it was just to to just like get some excitement around it um it's, instead of just it's beautiful yeah super so. important who was the guy in the video <laughs> <laughs> well i cast that one really specifically <laughs> uh, no yeah no it's it's my actual boyfriend so i feel like it made me um, really yeah oh yeah I was like, I was waiting for the punchline. You're like, no, oh, no, no, okay. yeah. I, didn't, um, I, didn't, I should have Googled more. Like, no, no, so, no, someone texted me today actually being like, I think the casting could have been a little bit more realistic, huh? like as a joke, because um, they know. And, and it's funny because the song is written about him too. Oh. So it's just like, 
it's, he's like oh my god on both sides. So many layers <laughs> I know. Then, my god. I just wanted to sing it to him and be like uh, be like angry at him um <laughs> okay so is he in the car is he actually really crying when he goes like this and like you know holds his eyes he he actually did get like, he's he's so sweet um <laughs> I think we've been through so much together that like we it's it was very easy to to, to pull a lot of emotions out um so he's amazing like he did so good at acting me on the other hand I don't know but um like yeah he could, he, he could like cry on the spot and I was like just do I not have a heart I can't cry I can't make myself cry um but no it, it turned out really well and yeah I guess he definitely shed some real tears but wow yeah wow um, well, uh, before uh, Katie uh, moves on, I wanted to say I thought the very end of the video, and I'm not going to spoil it for people, but when you watch the video and, you, and you're watching the very end of it, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, don't do it. I know. You shouldn't have done it. <laughs> I know. Why didn't you follow your own advice? <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> so you have to go watch the video now if you haven't seen it yet. There yes. we go. Little teaser. So is this song leading to a possible album? Do we think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I have plans to release another song. Like, I already have my second single, too, Ooh, nice. which I'm super excited about. Um, and then we're, like, in the process of figuring out what a third can be. And I definitely, will, I'm heading to an EP. Amazing. Awesome. So, yeah, I'm really excited. Well, great. We get to hear much more from you yeah. coming up then. Yes. Outstanding. Um, uh, what else is on the horizon for you? Do you have any concerts lined up coming up? Appearances that or... we should be talking about. Yeah. Like a, a headlining tour with Taylor or Beyonce. <laughs> Feel free to drop it now. <laughs> um, well, uh, Noted are going on tour with uh, Zed. Mm. So I think I'm going to be, well, I hope, we hope, I'm hoping to be joining them on Some a couple surprises. of those nice, dates. Yeah, nice. so that'd be fun. Um, then I'll, honestly, I'll probably, once this is out and I have more content to actually play, maybe just some smaller gigs around around LA. You but. should play El Rey. The El Rey is across the street. Yeah. I don't know if I'm there yet, but I'll definitely let you know. <laughs> um, well, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. And uh, we wish you nothing but the best with all the new music coming in. Thank you. Yes. I appreciate it. What do I, what do I do? Thank you so much to Georgia for stopping by. She was so delightful. And I think that we were her first solo interview. She said that she'd done done some interviews with the noted guys around so close, but um, this was, this was her first one on her own. So I'm glad everyone will get to know her a little better and, and hear all the music that she's got coming up. And now it's time for the chart stat of the week. Thirty-five years ago this week, Prince got his first number one song on the Billboard Hot 100 with Wind Doves Cry. The track, lifted from the Purple Rain soundtrack, rose three to one on the list dated July 7, 1984, and spent five weeks at number one. Prince notched a total of five number ones on the Hot 100, After Doves, he also led the list with Let's Go Crazy, which is also from the Purple Rain soundtrack, Kiss, Bat Dance, and Cream. It's kind of a weird motley crew of number ones. It really is. For Prince. Songs that you probably wouldn't think would be number one were number one, and stuff that you certainly thought was number one totally weren't number one. Right. But that's Prince. He's an enigma wrapped in a purple glyph. Um, (laughs) Yeah. 
And actually, Prince is back on the charts this week as his new album, Originals, debuts in the top 20 on the Billboard 200 chart. The album includes Prince's original demo versions of songs he wrote for other acts or gave to other acts, uh, including The Bangles' Manic Monday and Sheila E.'s The Glamorous Life. So there you have it. 35 years ago this week, Prince got his first number one on the Hot 100 with Wind Doves Cry. Alrighty, that is the end of our show. Any parting words there, Katie, uh, in Los Angeles? We miss you, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I miss you too, Katie. Um, what song should we go out on? Oh, man. Um, maybe one of those original Taylor Swift hits. Ooh. Uh, I like so ma- There's so many of my favorites, but I'm just going to go. I'm going to go with 15. I love 15. All right. See you guys next time. Bye. If you're snacking on anything but tasty cake, you're making a huge Miss Cake. A fistful of chocolate-covered raisins? Miss Cake. A spoonful of peanut butter? Bigger Miss Cake. Or the worst Miss Cake of all, your kid's Halloween candy, and it's April. If it's not tasty cake, it's a Miss Cake. Because nothing satisfies like a perfectly sweet butterscotch crimpet. Or rich and creamy chocolate peanut butter candy cake. Tasty cake. Accept no substitute. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.